Testing. Testing. Hey guys, it's Will and Keith. I'm Keith. And I'm Will. And I'm Will. Oh God. <laughs> oh, you are canceled. This podcast is canceled. The, the microphone just just set itself on fire. I hate this podcast already. <laughs> Will and Keith embrace the process. All right. Here we are again for the first time. Never before <laughs> seen. And never to be seen. Hey guys, it's Will and Keith. I'm Keith. And, this <laughs> and that's Will. Kofefe. <laughs> Ooh, political. Getting political so early in the session. Well, it's the crack of 1.57 in the afternoon. That is the time. I, I like a rude awakening. <laughs> that's the best kind of awakening. So, hey, Will. Hello, <laughs> Keith. How's it going? We're both drinking coffee. We're thinking of making coffee the, the theme of our podcast. I'm actually very, uh, I don't know if surprise is the word, but I'm one of very few people who's, who that I know will drink coffee throughout the day still. Mm. And I was surprised that uh, before we started recording... That we finished off the pot. Yeah. If you wanted to make more. Yeah. And actually nothing yet has 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 made me think I've made a great decision doing this podcast more <laughs> than that moment where you where you made another pot of coffee. That is an important moment. I, I feel very strongly uh, we're we're getting older. That doesn't mean that we can't still make poor life decisions. I agree. And if the worst our life decisions get is an ill-advised second pot of coffee in the afternoon, then I think we're doing okay. I mean, I don't. I, when you have crippling anxiety, <laughs> there's sort of how much worse could it really get? Do you have crippling anxiety? Only sometimes. Oh, good. Oh, god. Have some more coffee. <laughs> so our first uh, our first segment in this podcast is checking in with each other. Intro. Checking in. How are you, Will? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, you know, it's this, it's the beautiful season in New England when all the leaves are gone and the gray, <laughs> desolate depression really starts to set in. Right. In between the beautiful colors of the leaves and the beauty of the snow, we have uh, brown. Yeah, it's, it's really, um, it's really majestic when you look at the hills and there's no color to be had. The sun seems to be blinding because there's no leaf coverage anywhere. Right. Yet you're freezing cold. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So November is the cruelest month. Um, is that uh, enough checking in? Have we checked in? Should we check in more? Well, what have uh, what what have you been up to? This, I dread this question because the answer is almost nothing. Um, I got heavily into, as I told you, I got heavily into the election. Yes. Last week when the returns were still coming in. You were you were heavy into it. I was so much I thought deep. you were a candidate. I you were so <laughs> It felt that way <laughs> at times. But how am I doing? Um that was very strange. I've never done that in my life. The the last time I followed a developing news story, I think was probably the OJ Simpson trial. Um and I was I don't know, twelve years old. Wow, at that point. that's um and, and this was even more pronounced than that, of course. At that time, we didn't have the internet, so that was just watching TV a lot. Mm. Um, How did you even really... do? Where did, where were you watching the the the, the OJ? <laughs> so my memory of this is <laughs> was, was it at my house? No, yeah, because I will. Yeah, we didn't have TV, so it had to be somewhere else. No, we were actually my family was in Paris. Oh, we were staying at a really nice hotel in Paris, in one of the most beautiful cities in the world, <laughs> and my distinct memory. Is watching OJ on TV. Oh my god, that's so great! <laughs> Eating spaghetti bolognese from room service and watching the OJ trial on TV. The French are known for their bolognese. <laughs> I think that's probably <laughs> not probably not true. Although it was delicious because it was an excellent hotel. It was mm. a very good hotel. Uh, so that was the last time I really followed the you know in that obsessive way mm. followed the news and. Uh, and I don't think I even knew who O.J. Simpson was. I'd be surprised I, if you did. Yeah, no, I only knew him from the trial. <laughs> and 
everyone was talking about it. I didn't I didn't know what football was at the time. So, but you're recovering slowly from the election. I am recovering in the sense that I've spent less time obsessing about it, but I don't know that I've found a way to fill that void in my life. Um, so the last few days I've spent a lot of time uh, watching YouTube videos about the A Song of Ice and Fire novels, uh, which I love. I'm fascinated by those books and I'm fascinated by all, all, fascinated by all the body of theory uh, around them. Uh, but at the same time, that's not really what I should be spending every day on, <laughs> watching some guy's opinion about Game of Thrones. Uh, it's fun, but also I should probably try and have a life. Mm. Well, I mean, it is. In, it, it, it's interesting too because I, I I hadn't thought of it that way about the vacuum that is sort of left behind after these moments. Yeah, and I think what a politically engaged person would tell you is, well, it's not a time to stop paying attention. It's, it's still going a time on. to pay even more attention, <laughs> and now it's the Georgia runoff election. Uh, and I think that point of view is valid, but it is not my point of view. My point of view is this is a great moment to take a step back and ask yourself how much you want to be up to date on what's happening in the news and, uh, and how much you want to maybe try to protect yourself from a lot of the, a lot of the chatter. Um, well, what there. I'd really like to be kept up to date on is Game of Thrones. Well, I'm your man for that. I can help you. Or I, I feel I feel guilty even referring to it as a song of ice and fire because I feel like that's misrepresenting myself as someone who may have thought about ever reading the books. God, you should read those books. I I will consider it. Do you have Do you have them? I do have them. If you If you are willing to loan me the first one, I will. I, I'll I'll tell you what my experience was. Okay, maybe I've told you this already. I don't think so. I got into the show pretty belatedly. I got into the show after season six. So it was already a massive global phenomenon. I had resisted watching the show. I felt like it wasn't for me. Uh, partly because of, of the Red Wedding and how much that seemed to upset people. And uh, then I finally, a, a friend that I respect very much told me I had to watch the show. So I started watching the show. Yeah, people didn't think Reds should be allowed to get married. <laughs> but they fought for those rights. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, political. <laughs> uh, so you hadn't read the books either at that point. You no, had... yeah, no. So I got heavily, heavily, heavily into the show. As soon as I started watching the show, like the end of episode one, I was totally hooked. And then I, I finished the, I guess I finished as much of the show as existed at that point, which was not the whole thing. I finished season six. And I still didn't really feel like I necessarily wanted to read the books. Partly I felt like I knew the story already. And also it's just a huge commitment. It's 5,000 page books. Wow. And then I started reading the first book, which is called A Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. And I had exactly the same experience that I'd had with the show. Whereas once I, once I started, I needed the whole thing in my life. Like literally the first chapter of the first book. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because it was all that different from what had happened on the show. It was almost identical. Mm -hmm. But the, the world of those books is so rich and it's so seductive. I've, I've literally never read anything like that in my life. Wow. So I'm not saying you'll have the same experience. I might. I mean, but you may find that once you start, you'll find it difficult to stop. I mean, I did. Uh, I, I did become hooked on the Expanse series, which was uh, half written by George Martin's some assistant of his. Oh, really? And um, I, I believe I, I'm sort of just pulling this out of thin air, but that that a lot of that some of the story structure concepts are were taken from the Song of Ice and Fire series. I didn't know that. They do uh, the multiple POVs and, mm. and sort of how those how that keeps the reader interested. Yeah. Um, it sort of keeps the chapters into like sort of digestible sections. Yeah, that's a brilliant device. Well, and and uh, speaking as someone who does try to write novels sometimes, I think one of the virtues of multiple POVs from a from a writer's perspective is that you have you have way more freedom as far as what you want to write about and what you don't need to write about. Mm -hmm. When you're following one person throughout the whole book, which a lot of books do, and, and the books that I've written do, mm -hmm. uh, you get into the situation where you end up having to write stuff that you don't really want to. Mm. Uh, just, just, to just to get a character from point A to point B. Ah. 
So it's like, I'm interested in this moment and I'm interested in this moment, but I can't just say three days later, another thing occurred, <laughs> right? I have to figure out a way to sort of fill in. And it's, you know, it's not that those are necessarily, um, it's not that there's anything wrong with writing something that's on some level filler. And of course you can find ways to make it beautiful or to make the prose compelling. You can find ways to make it interesting, but there's something incredibly liberating about saying, okay, because we've now spent a full chapter with someone else, now I can come back into this other story anywhere I want. Yeah. I can just cut right to the moment when the next interesting thing is happening. And then, you know, sort of suggest and imply what that middle phase was. But yeah. I, don't, I don't have to flesh it out. I don't have to make yeah. you feel like you've been through that experience because it's understood that while we were following that other character, of course other stuff was going on. I think it's very, uh, uh, it's cinematic in the sense that, you know, you watch, you watch a movie and you don't, some of the more compelling movies are, are, are uh, you view them out of order. Mm. And, it, and it, it, like uh, Memento being the one that really first sort of threw me for a loop, you know, that, yeah. Um, but just this idea that you don't have to tell the story chronologically in a, uh, a, a suspense setting often, you know, you'll watch the entire piece and then at the end they'll do the flashback to tell you what happened and, right. and just moments like that where that where being uh, freedom from the timeline is more dynamic in that sense you don't have to tell everything that happened right now I I do find that as a viewer I that sometimes feels arbitrary to me when when a writer leans too much on giving you the information they want to give you when they want to give it to you yeah it can feel like, <laughs> yeah. right? It can feel like they're just jerking you around. Yeah. You you want it to seem <laughs> organic, right? Yeah. So like the, the genius of Memento is it does move linearly just backwards. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think you want to, you want to feel like you're, um, the rules of what information you're being given when are consistent and clear. Yeah. Not just whatever happens to be most dramatic. Yeah. There definitely are a lot of movies and and TV show episodes where you just feel are so cheaply done. Yeah. Where it's like, but guess what? When they said, oh no, it's you. He was actually talking to himself in the mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, and then you feel a little cheated. There's a... I actually took a class on TV writing when I was in grad school. I went to grad school for playwriting and there was a TV writing class that was required. And the guy teaching that class was a, a really smart dude called, uh, what was his name, Frank? Frank something. He's written for a lot of famous uh, television shows. And one of his key principles was the information you're withholding is almost never as interesting as you think it is. <laughs> so generally speaking, when you're withholding a big reveal from the audience, you're just wasting their time. Mm. Better to just give them the information and then move on with the story. Mm. Because what's important is not the information, but how it affects what comes next. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's only a rule of thumb. I think building a story around some element of mystery can be extremely effective, but it, I think it is a useful rule of thumb that if you, the writer know something that's relevant to the story, you should probably mostly just tell the audience when you know it. Yeah. And if that, if, if you're sort of relying on that reveal, then chances are you're sort of putting too much weight into it. If right, like, that's the thing. If you're like everything else doesn't matter, but when I tell them this, this it, is why I hated. It was the butler. It was <laughs> <laughs> right. It's almost guaranteed to be a letdown. It was um, Jeeves. Jeeves the butler. Very good. Literary. <laughs> um, the, the the this is why I hated the pilot for Transparent, and I know a lot of people love that show, and I didn't get past the pilot. I never and saw. Maybe it. I should, but the pilot for Transparent is all about uh, delaying the information that the parent is trans. So the whole show, the whole premise of the show is the dad wants to transition, right, from male to female. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has to kind of break that to his family and they don't cope with it all that well. But the the central premise of the plot doesn't even get revealed (laughs) until the end of the pilot. So for one thing, it's, it's already been revealed in the title, the title is transparent. In so any promo, we, and any promo show. you've ever seen. 
But also, that's the central dramatic situation of the story. So you have half an hour of content, right, just introducing the characters, and none of them know the piece of information that's going to get the plot moving. So to me, that's, that's textbook bad writing. The, the first scene of the show should be the dad saying, hey guys, I'm a woman now. And then them starting to react to that. Instead of, instead of saving it for the end of episode, I was already uh, off. They obviously didn't take that class that you took. No, they did not. They <laughs> and I, I like this. Apparently, this is a great show. I I couldn't stand it, but um, but maybe I should give it another chance. I haven't really heard anything about it. People were talking about it a lot uh, a few I, years ago. <laughs> I heard that, and now people are not really talking about it, <laughs> except us. But we are. We are not going to let this go. It's twenty twenty, and we are talking about. I'm here with Keith Boynton. <laughs> Oh, this is, uh, and we're talking about transparent. Well, we're talking about principles of storytelling, mm. and we're using illustrative, actually, a positive example of doling out information is uh, my favorite mystery writer, John Dixon Carr. Is it mystery writer from the Golden Age, contemporary of Agatha Christie and people like that? What's his, What's his name? His name is John Dixon Carr, and he was an American. You can make jokes about his name if you want. I just, I'm, I'm just making all the dirty jokes in my head. Please do. Please make them in your head. <laughs> uh, he was an American guy That's who wrote she's... in the... Oh, no, she didn't. Slander. And take two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but John Dixon Carr is a, is a brilliant writer for plot, and part of what he will do is he will answer... He will have driving questions of the narrative, and then he'll answer them as he goes along. But oftentimes the answer just leads you into deeper and deeper mysteries. So virtually every chapter you are answering one of the questions that have been raised and then bringing up a new question uh, that has to be answered farther down the line. Um, So instead of having one mystery that's only resolved in the last chapter, he breaks it down into all of these micro-mysteries, some of which might be resolved by the time the book is halfway done or three-quarters done, but some of which will be saved for that final chapter. And of course, those are the most astonishing revelations. Yeah, I could see that being... Making much more sense than having one big reveal. It's more realistic that way, too, you know. Right. Sort of each mystery leads to another. You know, I wake up, where am I? I can't remember. Where's my phone? Right. Where's the coffee? These are all <laughs> mysteries this that is are solved. Every morning for you. <laughs> to leave. Who is this child punching me in the face? <laughs> I think it actually might be really healthy. If you were able to wake up every morning and be that alienated from your normal life, mm. I think that might be a really good thing. Obviously, not to the point of actually forgetting who your wife is, but <laughs> but just if, almost maybe. I think that might be a really good thing to 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 feel like it's a fresh start every day. To feel like, wait a minute, how did how did this happen? Mm. Why am I here? Um, those are those are valid questions. Reminds me of uh, Talking Heads. Right. Classic song. Yeah. And you may ask yourself, how did I get here? Etc. Um, is that a segment? Letting the days go by. <laughs> uh, I think a good format for our podcast would be just the two of us uh, singing whatever snippets we can remember of famous songs. Yeah. And we don't have to talk. Burning down. I'm uh, is that a segue into I have a list of topics here that we're supposed to cover I think we did A Song of Ice and Fire was there anything else that you wanted to say about A Song of Ice and Fire Uh, too bad yeah no (laughs) yes no Uh, I guess the only other thing that I want to say about it is every time I read any commentary on any aspect of those books I am struck again by how improbable it is that one person could create a story and a world that are that rich and complex uh, within the scope of a single human lifetime. I mean, George Martin is only 74 or something like that. And he's only been working on this book series for about, what is it, 20 years? So, uh, sorry, maybe it's 30 years. But, but regardless, <laughs> it, it doesn't seem possible that one person could create it. Uh, so is this your conspiracy theory? I mean, I'm not saying that George R. R. Martin is actually 
16 people trapped in a bunker, <laughs> being whipped every day and forced to churn out new fantasy Tell material. me what happens or it gets the hose again. <laughs> I'm not saying that he's actually a, an alien hive mind uh, from another dimension that traveled back in time to create our civilization so that it could write a series of books. But I'm not saying that that's not the case. And I'll just leave it at that. You know, I think maybe every episode we can talk about A Song of Ice and Fire. And we probably wouldn't run out. I would love that. Well. I think you would get bored. And I think our listeners, if we have any, would get bored. But I could talk about A Song of Ice and Fire for the rest of time. I'm almost never bored. Perfect. I think I have a mental illness. <laughs> then you are the perfect person to do this podcast with. I knew I knew that it would work. So what's what's next? All right. So if, if we covered that topic, then our next topic, which we were already maybe edging into, is uh, self-improvement. So, uh, yeah, I was just about to talk about my mental illness. Right. Please go on. Oh, wait. That's the opposite. <laughs> well, the first step is admitting you have a problem, <laughs> apparently. I don't. I do. I do have a problem. I think I have more than one problem. Um, but the problem I have that seems most intractable is uh, I have a lot of trouble structuring my time. I have a lot of trouble committing to the daily steps that add up to uh, pursuing larger goals and improving my life. Uh, I have had periods of time when I did that pretty well including even earlier this year. Earlier this year, I was on a good kick, and I was writing, and I was editing a movie, and I was taking long walks every day. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I had, over the summer especially, I was really doing pretty well. That's actually the guy that I wanted to do the podcast with. Can we get... I am so <laughs> Can we sorry. Get back? <laughs> Come back to me in July 2020. <laughs> until then... Uh, yeah, I was, I was doing really well until about the middle of August. In the middle of August, I finished a draft of a novel and just haven't really picked up the baton since then. And it's now the middle of November. Um, so that's the thing that I've been thinking about a lot, is how can I get myself back mm. on track? And I'd be curious to know your thoughts about that. Well... Not just about me, but about how, how you approach these questions. Am I allowed to talk about myself? Oof. Um, that could be weird. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, first of all, I'll make excuses for you. Mm. because you Please know, do. Uh, rationalization and denial are my strongest <laughs> forms of self-improvement. Nice. Um, is that, you know, it's just been such a, such a tough year, you know, I, I think... With the pandemic, and I, it, uh, I mostly keep to myself. You know, we stay home. We're mostly, mostly uh, isolated. Um, and we're doing uh, Zoom school and this and that. But uh, it's just so it's just so depressing to me seeing people working, working jobs and wearing masks, and um, it's just uh, it's. Uh, so sad to me. I mean, I know these are these are what we have to do, but it's just um, to see. And people are, you know, people are keeping on and, and doing their best. But I just, I just think, uh, I like to think, even though it makes me sad that that uh, everyone is having a hard time because I'm having a hard time. Yeah, dealing with it. Not that I want other people to be having a hard time. I want other people to be. Having well, it's nice to feel like you're not alone. Yeah. Um, and I guess speaking for myself, I I also don't want to feel like people in general are resigned to this situation because I want to try to get back in the long run to, just selfishly, to something like what we had before. Um, I want to get back to, in the long run, not wearing masks and not constantly worrying about contagion. I want to get back to a way of life that's spontaneous and organic where people can hug each other and spend time together indoors. And, and maybe this seems obvious, but it's something I would like people to say more. And actually, Joe Biden said it recently. You don't wear a mask because you want to keep wearing a mask. You wear a mask so you can stop 
Mm. You wear a mask so we can get this under control so that we can go back to normality, right? And which will require uh, probably a really effective vaccine. Um, it's not like it's not like we can just wear masks until the whole thing goes away. Um, but I guess I hear a lot of pro-mask rhetoric and a lot of anti-mask rhetoric. And what I don't hear a lot of is, let's all wear masks even though it sucks. <laughs> that, and that's exactly, that's, the, that's the, the reality that I'm living in right now is that, is that uh, uh, it's super depressing and yeah. really affects me to my core. It makes me so sad to see, to see this alien world. Um, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's, it's inspiring that people are able to keep going and do their jobs and that society is still functioning and that most people are being responsible and trying not to infect others. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of beauty in this situation, but on the other hand, it's heartbreaking. Um, just that, that we need to be so careful and that we need to keep our distance from each other. That so much of what makes life worth living is the companionship of other human beings. And, uh, and zoom isn't a real substitute it's better than nothing i don't even think it's a real word it's i don't know that it is sort of ridiculous onomatopoeia i don't know that it is a word i agree (laughs) with you so do you think uh do you do you think some of this might be affecting your productivity and time management or is it is do you feel like it's a totally separate issue it's hard to know because i have struggled with these issues my whole life Mm. Um, I think it probably is related. I think one of the things that make it hard to invest in your future is the feeling that your future is is uh, up in the air. David Attenborough told me that we're all screwed. <laughs> Did he say that? Uh, in more words. Well, <laughs> well, screw him is what I say. Um, Good thing I'm old. But these penguins are screwed. <laughs> now that's a direct quote. That's exactly what he said. Good thing I'm old, but these penguins are screwed. It's actually the title of his new book, uh, which I've heard is great. I've heard it's almost as good as A Song of Ice and Fire. We're screwed. A memorandum. <laughs> it's only one page. It's great, though. And you can, re- you can read it over and over and discover new things each time about how screwed we are. Um no, I don't know. I, I think one of the things that I've discovered about myself, maybe in the last year or so, is that I am fundamentally an optimist. Um, but there are there are things that make it challenging to remain optimistic. Uh, to some extent, I feel like I find myself playing the role of the optimist when I'm talking to other people. Other people get really discouraged and they feel really down and my impulse, rightly or wrongly, is usually to say something encouraging and take a more positive view. You know, like, I think it's going to be okay. Um, And sometimes I think I'm able to do that in a way that's convincing. And other times it feels like maybe I'm just reflexively being optimistic and and perhaps not acknowledging uh, certain key realities. Um, I guess I do believe you have to be a little bit deluded in order to function in the world. <laughs> I think some amount of denial is, is actually healthy. Uh, you can go too far. You can deny too much. No, you uh, can't. <laughs> maybe not, actually. Um, <laughs> no, I do. And this is not going to sound very optimistic. This is going to sound arguably sort of cynical. But I do think it takes a certain amount of delusion or at least selective thinking, you know, just just to get out of bed in the morning. Um, I'm exaggerating slightly, but uh, I, I guess maybe a, maybe a more accurate or a more positive way of putting it is you can choose what to focus on. Like, there is infinite suffering in human history, and there's infinite suffering in the present, and there's infinite suffering in the future. <laughs> but you can choose to focus on that, or you can choose to focus on, um, you know. Moments. It's all I'm thinking about now. I'm just, oh, sorry. I'm spiraling. <laughs> no, I shouldn't have brought it up. Infinite but, uh, suffering. So <laughs> the thing about the infinite suffering is, let me try to put a positive spin on it. Did you mean to say finite? Right. Sorry. I, I misspoke. I don't have words. The key point for me is that we choose what we focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
it's not so much about living in denial. It's about what are you going to choose to spend your time and your thought and your attention on. I've been spending a lot of time in the last few weeks on social media, and that is a, a terrible <laughs> idea. A terrible, terrible idea, both um, both for people participating in discussions on social media and for people like me who tend to just observe. Um, it's it's an enormous waste, not only of time, but of, of your energy. Mm. Um, and your emotional energy, uh, you know, arguing with strangers or even arguing with acquaintances on Facebook, uh, it's, uh, it's just a dead end. Mm. Um, and I've gotten into a couple of those interactions. And up to a certain point, it can be slightly interesting. You're like, oh, let's, let's, see. <laughs> let's see if I can conduct this argument in a way that's respectful. Let's, let's see if I can express my point of view without rancor, without judgment. Um, and that can be kind of fun for a while, but you, you pretty quickly, you run up at this point where it's like, well, I'm not going to change his mind. He's not going to change my mind. I'm upset. Maybe I'm not showing that I'm upset, but I am. So why are we doing this? What is the point? I don't know. As you, as you know, I don't use social media, so I'm better than you. As you know, <laughs> you are like a God to me. I bow down on your feet. Uh, I did actually deactivate my Facebook for... About 12 hours. Um, and then I... Then you started itching and... No, it was... There was a specific person that I wanted to look up, mm. that I wanted to get in touch with. And so I had to reactivate the account just to reach out to this one person. And then once I had done that... You got I was fight. back on Facebook. Oh, okay. It was... Uh, yeah. Um, and to be fair, I think I've, I've been on... Since then, I've been on Facebook in a, in a healthier way, where I really am mostly just an observer. And I'm mostly mm. not getting into it. Mm. With people. I stopped taking my phone with me to bed, oh. which I think is a good step as well. Last night, I cheated and I took my phone to bed. But for several nights in a Was row... Was it romantically? Well, let's just say <laughs> what happens in my bedroom uh, uh, is horrific. Um, I think that's actually a really good step for me because uh, it's not good to fall asleep with your stupid phone in your hand or wake up and immediately check mm. your phone. So I have made modest steps in the last few days, but I, I still am not, I still am not really getting things done. And that's frustrating. It's interesting because I'm so, I'm not like crazy anti-social media, like, like, but I am. Mm. Like, I don't promote it. I don't run around telling everyone, like, abandon your phones. Um, but I do go to sleep watching shows on my laptop every single night. Mm. Um, which is interesting. Uh, I just ha I, I have an overactive mind. Mm. So I just, like, have, I just have trouble falling asleep. So do you fall asleep? Mid-episode, or do you finish an episode and then put the laptop aside and then go to sleep? I fall asleep mid-episode. Wow, interesting. I, I, every night. Huh. Um, and if I wake up in the middle of the night and uh, I have to, like if I get up and use the bathroom or anything, I will, I'll put something on to put me back to sleep. Wow. And often if I don't, I will just stay up thinking about things. Right. But if I put something on, it's mostly anime. Okay. Because there's like a huge catalog of anime to choose from there's always basically there's always something i haven't seen um, though the list keeps getting shorter and shorter um, <laughs> but it but it, it but uh I, I don't consider myself someone who's on the screen all the time i'm yeah. not but i am every night interesting it's weird and then are you using headphones so that that doesn't disturb your wife yeah i put i just put in one earbud okay and, um, and it's on a side table and, and but that's like that's my going to bed routine huh um, because if not, and it's, I've done, I've done it for so long. I can't really remember that, but, uh, to the best of my recollection, I, unless, unless I'm, you know, physically and mentally exhausted, you know, the perfect day you get some exercise, yeah. you exercise your brain, your body, you, you've really used all your resources yeah. and you get a good night's sleep. That feeling is amazing too. Yeah. If you get to bed and you're you're completely exhausted on every level and that exhaustion is earned. Yeah. 
uh, that's the that's one of the best feelings in the world. It almost never happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't happen much. Um, but I I love that. Yeah, and then you don't need you don't need to read. You don't need to play on your phone. You don't need to watch TV because you're. It's just time. It's time yeah. for sleep. Uh, that's an amazing feeling. I think I think nowadays uh, raising raising kids leaves me in a space of sort of where I'm busy all the time, but I'm not really using my mind mm. to, you know, <laughs> to, uh, funny to say, speaking with a five-year-old doesn't really exhaust all my uh, faculties. That, that does surprise me, still, having known you a long time. I still have some left. Um, you know, I'm busy, but not really getting exercise, you know, running around the house doing this, playing with the kids. But, you know, it's it's uh, not enough, you know, I feel run down from a day of it, but I, you know, it's not like I actually got any exercise or really, you know, flexed my brain at all. Right. And so those, this, that's the state I've been where I could probably stay up all night just, you know, imagining, you know, what you do with your phone <laughs> in the wee hours yeah you know in a weird way i feel like you and i are having a similar experience you know you you've got two kids i have zero responsibilities but i it sounds to me like we're both a little bit living in a fog most of the time hmm. um, so that a day goes by and you, you were superficially busy but you don't necessarily feel like you were using that time in a conscious way, like you were making a lot of choices. It's more just getting through it. And what I'm getting through might be YouTube videos about mm. the Song of Ice and Fire, and what you're getting through might be, you know, raising human beings. I think we should start vaping. But <laughs> that Would that help? That's the solution that Wouldn't I Wouldn't that just... make it worse? <laughs> yeah, but I think we would go full circle. Oh, okay. And 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 come back to the other end. It's worth a shot. And pop out at the beginning of the universe. Yeah, maybe. Are you high right now? I Actually, that's just what I was, <laughs> When I said I was using the bathroom, I was actually... Okay, all right. So we're in the second half of the podcast yes. now. The half where you're high and I'm not, and I'm trying to understand what you're saying. <laughs> where are we now? Okay. I, well, let's see. I've got our list of topics. I'm here. having a David Byrne moment. Did we finish... The uh, I like that David Byrne moment. Hmm. Um, did we finish the the conversation about self improvement? I think what I'm noticing is as we finish, I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> each topic, my 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 feeling is that we'll have to revisit these again, probably the next time we meet. Well, maybe it'll just be the same six topics every episode. <laughs> And we'll get deeper and deeper. Or maybe not even deeper. Just again. It'll be like the memento of topics. Where by the last episode, we will have started talking about something and have no, <laughs> no information about it whatsoever. I like that. It's a very avant-garde structure. People are going to love this podcast because it's postmodern. And people love postmodern. Do you want some more coffee? Um, uh, I'm fine if you, want, if you want to finish it. If that's the question. Well, that that wasn't really the question. I was asking you whether you wanted some more coffee. Take two. Yes, I would love some <laughs> coffee. It's a pleasure to be here. I think there's still some more there. And if not, screw you. Uh, good. Well, so I think we've covered some of these topics on my list by accident. Or uh, organically. Mm. Uh, we did talk a little bit about online discourse. I do have which, one which is, topic on my list. Oh, you do? Yeah, my, uh, it's it's uh, my list of things to do. Okay. And it's uh, make a list of topics. Oh, that's good. So you did that one for me. Very, very meta. So moving on. Okay, moving on. Uh, well, the thing that the thing on my list that we haven't gotten into is uh, the COVID wintertime. What is it going to be like oh, man. going into the holidays? We're going to have Thanksgiving in a couple of weeks, and then there'll be, uh, whatchamacallit, Christmas. And uh, you and I are just recently in a pod together mm. for the first time. Yeah. Which is pretty exciting. Uh, our, our families have formed a kind of super pod, and that just became effective like a couple days ago. Yeah. 
um, which is great. It, it's We're actually, indoors right now. We are. Within six feet of each other, unmasked. Uh, yeah, and it's okay, because we've all been isolated. Yes. We've all been quarantined, which is, I guess, not the right word. Um, it, it surprises me in a way... I, I guess I don't have a really clear sense of what other people are doing. I would have thought that that concept of uh, pods that overlap more and more would really be the way forward. I thought this since the, since the summertime, right? Where, mm-hmm. uh, of course, the first step is you know, making sure that you and your immediate circle have been isolated. Um, but then at a certain point, any, any pod that's been isolated for just a couple of weeks could merge with any other pod that's been isolated for a couple... If you trust each other, right? If you, yeah. If you really believe that that isolation mm-hmm. is real, and of course you, you have to know someone well enough, but if you trust each other, like the pod could be any size. Uh, it, it, could be, it could be hundreds of people, right? Yeah. As long as you... Maybe not hundreds. Uh, theoretically, it could, right? As long as you're confident that the boundaries of that pod are not porous, right? That they are firm. Mm-hmm. Um, then it does seem like it could be sort of an, of an arbitrary size. But I'm not aware... I'm not aware of people taking that approach. Maybe they are, and they're just not telling me about it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it does make sense. I have no idea what other people are doing. Yeah. I'm just... From within my personal pod, there is no escape. <laughs> there is the world is gone. Yeah. Except when I stop to get gas. And then the, the, then you're interacting. And then you. I go home and cry about it for <laughs> about 45 minutes and then I forget and then I just block it out again. It's very healthy that you're expressing your feelings. Mm-hmm. It's good. it takes a real man to cry. Well, I'm a real man <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Wait a minute. That that sort of disproves my theory actually. By the way, I really like your shirt. I'm aware that uh, our audience can't see your shirt, but I really like. Will is wearing a T-shirt that has a it has a pattern that almost looks like wallpaper. So it's it's the boughs of a tree, and the tree has fruit, and then there are birds, blue colored birds, perched on the boughs of the tree. I feel like I'm listening to to angels and demons or something. Right now. <laughs> Why that? It just sounded so cryptic, like you were you were speaking in code. Ah, uh, yes. You know what the what the Illuminati don't want you to know is that Mary Magdalene was really a blue bird perched on the bow of a tree. Anyway, it's a very nice shirt. You don't see a lot of t-shirts like that that have a an elaborate pattern that spreads over the entire surface. It's really it's a very wallpaper style look. But I mean that in a good way. It spoke to me, and I, I don't wear a lot of heavy patterned shirts. Uh, but um, And actually, I think right after I bought this, you remarked on it as well. That sounds right. That sounds likely. Which where is, Where did you buy it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the question on everybody's mind. Um, I believe it was at Forever 21. Mm. Um, I've heard of that. That's Allie, a store. Allie and I used to make uh, trips to the mall... Um, which was so odd for me. We would do it almost weekly, go down to West Hartford and go to the mall, which is super weird for me because it's not where I feel comfortable whatsoever. Hmm. It's, 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 God, talk about like existential crisis. Like the mall is like the place where I, where I just wonder what the world is now. Um, thank God those days are gone. Yeah, yeah Thanks, we, we don't Obama. Have to... <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to worry about that anymore. I wonder. I wonder if it is his fault somehow. Obama's fault. It's, it's fun to blame things on Obama. Let me see. Uh, Trump dot com. <laughs> he says that it is. Oh, okay. Well, that must be a fact. I don't know why. Uh, I get my ads on YouTube or recommended videos on YouTube. They they <laughs> skew very Trump. Uh, which is strange to me. I mean, I'm not a raving liberal, um, but I'm also not a raving conservative, and I'm definitely not a Trump voter. Uh, and yet, YouTube seems to be convinced that um, that I'm going to love. Which either means that they're just targeting absolutely everybody, or there's something about my YouTube behavior that makes me seem like uh, like I'm in the alt right. Hmm. 
I don't know. I'm very curious though what your YouTube history is. Next time on the podcast, <laughs> uh, a play-by-play of Keith's internet browsing history. I, I think my YouTube history is pretty eclectic. It's a lot of comedy. Mm. I like comedy. Uh, it's obviously a lot of a Song of Ice and Fire theories, because I guess I'm a freak like that. And then I, I do... I do click on things that are, I guess, sort of political-leaning. I get intrigued by clips of, uh, of controversy. Do you know what I mean? Like, and this is, it's a clickbait thing, right? Will it be this person versus this person, right? Oh, and the... Richard Dawkins versus a creationist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to watch that because I don't want to watch two people argue with each other. That's unpleasant. But I kind of like Richard Dawkins and sort of curious. Mm-hmm. One that I'm really glad that I watched was... Uh, Bill Nye shutting down Neil deGrasse Tyson. It's amazing. It's you got to check this out. It's a great clip. It's from some sort of big, um, I don't know, panel discussion with a bunch of prominent scientists. Uh, Richard Dawkins is there as well, and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who seems like the smuggest uh, person in the entire world, uh, goes off on a whole rant about how he, consciousness may not really exist. We keep investigating consciousness, and there have been all these books about it, but no one's been able to define it or definitively prove that it's real or how it's real, and so maybe there's just no such thing as consciousness. (laughs) And so at the end of this long, long speech about how maybe consciousness doesn't (laughs) exist, Bill Nye just goes, like, wow. (laughs) And it's it's beautiful. It's the most condescending thing you could possibly say. And it's so richly deserved in that moment. Uh, and someone needed to say it to Neil deGrasse Tyson's complacent face. Uh, anyway, so I guess, I guess I look at controversy and maybe that's why, maybe that's why I get, um, I get Trump ads. But it's strange. It's uh, maybe you were the swing vote, the swing vote. Yeah, in the election. Yeah. Uh, and wait, and so, and so now, and so now the Republicans are thinking if they can get me on their side next time, I'll swing it again. Yeah, that's they the, they think maybe. I believe that's a Kevin Costner movie, Swing Vote. Oh. He's casting the one vote that will decide the U.S. presidential election. Is that really the premise of the- That really is. I have not seen this movie, but it's an amazing premise. <laughs> you know, he's some, like, ordinary middle American guy, and, you know, not that engaged with politics, and it turns out, for whatever bizarre reason, his one vote will decide the whole thing. Is this real? Oh, it's a real movie. I can't believe this is real. With Kevin Costner. Oh, it was a great trailer. Uh, I don't know if the movie's good, but it's a, it's a wonderful premise. I just... I don't understand how that could be a premise. Why not? Like, under, like, what political mechanics would that be a reality? It's possible. <laughs> it, it's possible. I mean, I know everyone says that each vote counts, but I don't believe that. Take two. <laughs> Every vote counts. Every vote definitely counts, Rock, Will. Rock the vote, kids. MTV. <laughs> We're going to change the world. Good man. Well, well. <laughs> Britney Spears for president. I feel like your messaging is on point, circa 1996. Christina Aguilera for treasurer. <laughs> Aguilera. Does that mean? Does it mean needle? Or does it mean eagle? It definitely means either needle or eagle, but I don't know which. Are you, Are you being serious? Uh, half serious. Does it really I'm, mean one of those? Things? I'm using my knowledge of French to uh, to suggest something about a word that I guess is probably Spanish, but which is also a person's name, and so may not be a word at all. Hmm. I guess I'm being mostly not serious. Let's let's get into this here. Siri, define aguilera. <laughs> <laughs> That's not helping. Uh, she told me to f off. I found this on the web as Siri's way of saying, I don't know. Uh, Every time I've tried to use Siri, and it's only a handful of times, she always does the same thing, where she's like, let me do a web search for that. I'm like, yeah, but I could do that myself. 
I asked you a question so you could answer it, <laughs> not so you could direct me to the internet, which I already know about. Alexa, tell Siri to F off. <laughs> Do you want to see those two in a cage match well, to the death? Apparently it's a stratovolcano in southern Chile, which rises above the edge of the southern Patagonian ice field. Well, that's what I would have guessed, yeah. That's what you said, right? I'm pretty sure that's what I said. I think so, too. We can go back and edit that later. Uh, I think we may be off topic, although that statement rests on the premise that there is a topic, and so it's highly questionable. What What would Neil deGrasse Tyson say about this? <laughs> I don't know, but it would take him forever to say it, and he would act like he was the first person to say it, even though he wasn't. Whoa. Sorry. <laughs> Not a big fan of this guy. <laughs> um, I really have no idea what we were talking about, which I think means we're being successful. I think we're really making... Are we still in the self-improvement section? Because It's all one topic, Will. Haven't you realized? The twist is, it's all one conversation. <laughs> oh, damn night Shyamalan! That's right. He came back with his twist. Uh, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think... Well, actually, this gets into another topic that I had on my list, which is process versus product. So I, as I said before, before we were recording, I tend to have a product-oriented mindset. Mm. I want to sit down in the morning to write, and at the end of that session, I've written a thousand words, mm. or 1,200, or whatever it is. And then I want those words to end up in the book that I'm writing. <laughs> I want... I want to know that this morning I spent two hours on mm. words that will be in the book when the book is done. Um, and I think there are people who are much more comfortable. There, there are people who are wiser than I am in that they are much more comfortable putting in two hours or two weeks or two years um, and not being certain what the outcome will be. I think that's more how I am. Right. I really enjoy practicing... Um, Music is one of the things that I pour the most of time into. Music is one of the things that I pour a lot of time into, even knowing that it's not really going anywhere. Right. Just just uh, for the enjoyment of the process. And I want to say on the record, I think your approach on the whole is superior. Um, both philosophically, because if you're not enjoying the journey, then what the hell are you doing? And in a sense, pragmatically, because the nature of any creative endeavor, or, or largely any endeavor, is that the outcome is unknowable, and that the intention going in will not be synonymous with the result. So I think your approach on the whole is better and wiser, which does not mean that I'm going to uh, change my own approach fundamentally overnight. But also, I mean, uh, it, it depends what... The goal is because I, most of my hobbies and, and endeavors and the things that I do, I do just for my personal fulfillment. Right. Not to, I don't plan to really have a product at the end of them, which makes it sort of not a waste of time, but it's, it, if you know, if you're actually trying to get something done, you need to have at some point, like, that product in mind. Right. So so I, I sort of, you know, fritter with a lot of different hobbies and stuff that I do to enjoy myself. Um, maybe if I had a little bit of your mentality, mentality, I would have had some sort of product to show for that. Yeah. Instead of just, you know, this this uh, this moral high ground and, and feeling, <laughs> feeling of, uh, of superiority that... From, well, I mean, are you still down there, Keith? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but what could be better than feeling superior? I mean, what else is life about? Uh, no, I think you're right. I think there are pros and cons to both approaches, and I think, I think any really productive person would have to be capable of both, right? Capable of kind of open-ended thinking, and also capable of narrowing down and zeroing in and getting down to to brass tacks. Um, my vice might be that I always want to know where things are going, even when that's not possible and that question isn't productive. And your advice might be that you never get to that moment of saying, 
all right, well, for now at least, here it is. Here is the the object. Yeah. And uh, and now and what do you think, world? Is this the podcast? Did we just define the podcast? Possibly. If it feels like maybe we did. Wait, are you saying the podcast is about this subject? Is about creativity or are you saying the dynamics that we're discussing are going to be played out in the course of the podcast. I don't think it matters. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think it matters. And there's the difference between you and me. It's a fascinating tug of war that will never, never end. Next time on He Likes to Do Things and He Doesn't, <laughs> you'll never believe what happens. When Will brings a frog into the studio. <laughs> Keith wants to know why, and Will doesn't care. <laughs> but what's the frog going to do, Will? What's he going to produce for society? You just have to wait and find out, man. It might I have change. waited. I've been waiting for 30 seconds. It might change your life. <laughs> How is he going to change my life? He might not. I'm not comfortable with that ambiguity. <laughs> so that's us being caricatures of ourselves. It's not that different from when we were just being ourselves. Just louder. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that all that matters? Uh, Yeah. So I I think that it is probably productive to have those two different impulses. I think it's probably helpful. And actually, you know, there's a lot of research that says uh, the most fruitful partnerships are between people who are uh, very different Mm -hmm. and who bring very different things to the table. Uh, that, That seems to be... Uh, that seems to be often a like a seed idea. and some poop, right? <laughs> right, you're you're no offense here, but you're bringing the poop, <laughs> and I'm bringing the seed, and they're both important. Yeah, it's just that your part is filthy, and my part is beautiful. <laughs> yes, but they both matter. Yes, but mine is better. Um, so okay, so now we're we're looking to the future, the yes. future of our podcast, and in the spirit of we're giving it a little bit of form and shape. For next time, I'm going to give you a reading assignment. So your assignment is to read at least one uh, short story by H.P. Lovecraft. Because I've been reading a bunch of H.P. Lovecraft, Mm. and I I love his stuff, and I want to talk about it. I've been reading it for the first time. So your assignment is to read at least one H.P. Lovecraft story. I can recommend one, or you can choose one yourself. Some of them are very short. Some of them would take you half an hour. And I think you were going to give me an assignment as well. Does it count if I just watch Lovecraft County? I think it's Lovecraft Country. Does it count? Take two. Does it count if I just watch Lovecraft County? (laughs) You lousy son of a... Uh, No, although if you would like me to watch the pilot of Lovecraft Country so that we can incorporate that into our discussion, then I'd be happy to. Um... Actually, I would actually be interested maybe to see if how that ties into or does not tie into some of the books. Perfect. Um, and I will read a story or two. Do you have one? If Is there one that you would recommend? Mm-hmm. I have a pen and paper ready. Off the top of my head? No, there is not. All right, I'm writing that down. <laughs> no, this is the only thing I've written this entire time. No, there it is not. It says no. No, I'm, just no. Oh, just the word I don't have all day <laughs> to write. I was under the impression that you did have all day. Um, so, yeah, the other day we were talking, you had brought up um, uh, the uh, passing of Alex Trebek. Yeah. Um, and uh, why don't you tell that? Why don't you tell that little anecdote story? Oh, yeah. Because so, it was funny. This is a random thing that came up on my YouTube recommended videos. Uh, and it was, <laughs> it was Alex Trebek in the segment where he's interviewing the contestants, and this woman uh, says that one of her primary interests is is nerdcore, and Trebek asks her, "What is nerdcore?" And she says, "Oh, you know, well, it's it's basically it's rap music or it's hip hop music." Wait, that, is it all nerdcore or nerdcore rap? I don't know. Okay. I don't. I don't know the difference. Okay. I am just as ignorant about this as Alex Trebek. You do remind me of him. R.I.P. Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Sorry for it, so continue. Uh, right. So she's into nerdcore rap, specifically. And she tries to explain what that means. She says, oh, you know, it's it's rap that addresses topics that are considered nerdy. So, you know, maybe it's about comic books. You know, maybe it's about fantasy novels or, you know, having trouble talking to the opposite sex. Stuff like that. And uh, 
And Trebek goes, so in other words, losers. <laughs> and it's this beautiful moment. Uh, obviously, he's being funny, uh, but it is, it is, uh, it's delightful to see. <laughs> it's, it must be fun, because you must imagine he's, you know, out of touch, in a sense, especially to that topic, to where saying loser to someone who identifies with the nerd culture has got to ruffle their feathers yeah, at she, least a little bit. She takes it pretty well. <laughs> because she's on camera, probably. But I really <laughs> wonder what... Uh, I, I feel like the nerd culture really doesn't appreciate being called losers. Yeah, I mean, I think to a large extent, I I would consider myself part of nerd culture or geek culture. And, and I, I sort of think that loser identity is something that could be embraced. Mm. Um, I mean, I mean, it's not cool to be a geek. Although now it is cool to be a geek. Now it's gone the other way. Yeah. So never mind. We used to be losers, and now we're cool. And because we're cool, uh, we're not interesting anymore. Mm. But there was a time. <laughs> I remember a time. <laughs> well, you had told me this story, and we had talked about um, doing uh, recommendations uh, for uh, music and and books and shows and movies. And uh, actually, for a while now, I've thought that um, um, you don't listen to much hip-hop. Not much, no. Do you at all? I like Eminem. Okay. And that's pretty much my experience. Is that something... Do you still listen to? Or is that like a dated... It was mostly in my teens when when he was the biggest uh, music star in the world. Although, I did buy his newest album... And I've listened to it a couple of times, and I enjoyed the heck out of it. Cool. I can't remember what it's called right now, but he does have a new... Oh, Music to be Murdered By. Oh, nice. Music to be Back Murdered to By. Back to his roots. Yeah, exactly. A lot of, a lot of ultra-violence. <laughs> uh, it, I really I really enjoyed it. I still think he's great. Well, you may not like... So, so it's uh, the Deltron 3030. Deltron 3030. Is the album. Write this down. Okay, I'm writing it down. Is the album... Um, which is a, it's it's this great uh, sci-fi themed hip hop album, nice from like two thousand, where um, it's it's set in the future, the year thirty thirty, mm-hmm. and um, this concept of uh, of uh, sort of these uh, futuristic settings and like what and what rap would be in the future. Um, hmm. um, the uh, the lyrics are done by Del the Funky Homo Sapien. I've heard of that. Okay, he appeared on the Gorillas, out al- the first Gorillas album. Nice. Have you listen to Gorillas at all? A little bit. I, I only know a couple of their songs, but I really like what I've heard. Yeah. Okay, so Dan the Automator is the producer of Deltron Thirty Thirty, also producer of Gorillas. Okay. So it's I am gonna like this. So that's why. So he had done a lot of different concept albums and. And, and bands, um, mostly hip hop oriented, but mm-hmm. not but not solely. And um, this this album, um, I think I don't know. I think you'll like it. You might not like it, but you should listen to it anyway. It might be a more interesting conversation if I don't like it. Yeah, but I probably will. Yeah, sadly. Uh, so next time we're going to talk about Deltron Thirty Thirty and H.P. Lovecraft, and we might be the first podcast ever to cover those two in one episode. So that's pretty exciting. That's, we might not be, but we probably are. I bet we are. I bet we are. If we're not, I'm upset at whoever else did it. <laughs> Damn you, Paul Rudd. He does everything. Oh, he was there before us. So charming. I can't even hate him. All right, good. Well, so that gives us a little bit of an agenda for next time. We can yeah. also delve back into any of the topics that yeah. we did not resolve this time around. So uh, what are you up to this coming week? This coming week, uh, that's a great question. I don't think I have any plans. It's your birthday, though, isn't it? No. My birthday is not- a week from Monday. Okay. So, so not this coming week. So This coming week will be the week before my birthday. Okay. So I guess what I'm up to is planning 
my birthday. Oh. But I don't think it's going to take much planning. I'm pretty sure it's going to be in this room <laughs> with your family and my family and some kind of food. I look forward to it. It'll be really nice. It'll be really nice. It'll be one of the first uh, indoor social events that I've been able to be a part of uh, since March. Hmm. So that'll be cool. What have other uh, so we had my daughter's birthday this week, right? Uh, that was the first time I had been indoors with anyone in a long time. It was the first time that I had been indoors with your family. Yeah, since March. It was a great. It was nice. I was so exhausted afterward. <laughs> I, I, we, we left the house, and I swore I, I don't know what time I thought it was, but the clock said six o'clock, mm. and I was. So so exhausted just because I hadn't been social in so long. Yeah, it you're, you're took, an introvert. It took everything out of me. Uh, so we put the kids to sleep and I fell asleep on the couch almost instantly. Without even watching television. We were watching television. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that you had a good time even though it was exhausting. I hope you have a good week. Thank you. I hope you have a good week too. I, I guess what I should say is I will spend... The coming week, trying to get back on some kind of schedule. Um, and more specifically, I'm going to try to do the morning writing that I have failed to do for most of the last three months. Three, is it three months? Yeah, God. Um, so yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to you out loud while we're being recorded in order to okay. hold myself accountable. I'm going to get back into the habit of writing for two hours every morning. That's what I'm going to do this coming week. All right. Yeah. Great. That's going to be great. And the next time we meet and talk for the podcast, I'm going to tell you how well it's going and how proud I am of myself and how much my self-esteem has, has improved. Great. I look forward to it. Me too. God willing. And what are you up to this coming week? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, this is a great podcast. I, I think... That um, I may listen to this podcast recording. Oh, good. Probably At least not. someone will. I probably won't. No, I won't either. I guess you're just going to keep braising two, raising two children? Is that a thing? Yes, I'm thinking about braising them. Braising? <laughs> that might be illegal, but, uh, you know, live your bliss. Come on, I'm, it's... It's 2020, guys. Cannibalism <laughs> needs to be accepted. Yeah, we need to stop shaming people. You can't cannibal shame. That's not cool. My edible preference. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, should we sign off? Is that an episode? Yeah, it All right. is. Great. Thank you for listening, or for not listening. We've been uh, Keith and Will, respectively. and uh, Respectfully. And respectfully. And we're going to try to... Uh, we're going to try to figure out the format of this podcast as we go. <laughs> stay safe. Stay home. Stay. Bub bubble up. Surf's up. Ready to go. We're also experimenting with uh, different slogans for our podcast. Sweet, sassy, molassy. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. I think that should be it. All right. Should I, should I hit stop? Yeah, I think you should, or else I'm just going to... Sweet, sassy... Sweet, sassy, molassy, you guys. Bow, bow.